I don't know why it never occurred to us before. We both love barbecue. We're well, it both- sounds expensive. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, a podcast where we chew over the geeky things that we love. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And this week we have a new book that we've picked up, a new comic book that we picked up. Yes. New series from Boom Studios. We only find them when they're dead by Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. And we watched several movies, which we're very excited about. We saw Mulan. I'm thinking of ending things and Tenet. Do you remember what order we watched these in? Mulan, Tenet, I'm thinking of ending things. Thank you. Right? right? Is that right? I, I don't know. That's not how I wrote them down, but yeah. That is how I wrote them down. <laughs> so first things first, I've been saying, you know, usually if something happens during the day, I will text you about it or tell you about it and then it's done and we don't talk about it later. Something happened today and I really wanted to text you about that I did not because I wanted to talk about it here. It was great. What happened? <laughs> so I dropped Jake off at school. It wasn't okay. I was going to say it wasn't the right day to stop at Chick-fil-A, but it totally was. I went through the drive through at Chick-fil-A. I come around the corner and uh, there's a little kerfuffle happening like right before you get to the the ordering screen. Like there weren't the standard people out there taking orders but there's a Silverado being driven by a man. And there's also a shorter, chubbier man standing in front of his Silverado. And they're like shouting at each other. And uh, I, apparently the Silverado drove around this guy's car to get in front of him at the drive through line because the guy was sitting on his phone. And there's all kinds of room. And he was just getting impatient. So they're shouting at each other. Are you listening to this conversation? Did oh, you roll your window down, down so you because can hear like, it? Well, I'm getting ready to order my chicken minis, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super jealous of your chicken minis, though. Like, that's the most important thing. And, yeah, it's just back and forth. And this guy's inching forward in his Silverado. The guy's in front of his truck backing up. And eventually the guy steps to the side. There's poor Chick-fil-A employee outside (laughs) on the phone with the police. (laughs) Guy steps to the side, deliberately puts his foot under this guy's tire, and he runs over his foot. He goes, ow, my toe. (laughs) I'm like... This is one of those situations where you're like, what am I supposed to, what is my responsibility here? Am I really going to be able to affect any change in what's happening? I decided no. Well, you're a witness. So, well, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, you know, so they're waiting for the cops to come. These guys are still just yelling at each other as the drive-through line slowly moves forward. And uh, the guy is up at the, the speaker ordering his food. And the cops get there. And so the cop gets out of his car and he comes up to him. He's talking to him at the speaker box. Like (laughs) this cop could not be more unimpressed with how he was spending his morning. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, so they had a little conversation. The cop's walking by my windows down. He's like, did you see this guy cutting in the line? And I was like, no, I, I pulled around the corner when they were just yelling at each other and saw him run over his toe. He deliberately stuck his foot under or whatever. Um, and he was like, all right, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) 
and he left. I mean, they didn't leave. They were uh, sorting the shit. I left. I ordered my food and left. Uh, <laughs> so I did not stick around to see the uh, the end of that that uh, interaction. But that's a fun morning. Super entertaining. I mean, it added like 10, 15 minutes to my breakfast routine. I would have been so pissed about the time <laughs> that I it's said taking. Routine? Yes. <laughs> also, you never, every day. you like never get chicken minis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that happened. Uh, what else happened this week? I don't know. <laughs> Besides the stuff we talked about. The, I don't know. I can't the, think of anything else that is <laughs> important to the world. The new Dune trailer came out. Yes. And it looks good. Like The cast is ridiculous. It looks like they really care about what they are going to be putting on the screen. Like it, about, Like it looks like there's a lot of intention and thought just by the trailer looking at it which is good like i said i have thoughts right so i mean you don't know how much but you know that i've started the dune book i've read 30 minutes of it shout out to the audiobook format right yes (laughs) and i'm gonna make my way through that i'm practically there already and then we'll watch the old david lynch 1984 film version of dune because it's on hbo max oh Uh, that's good yeah and you know we kind of talked about a little bit how uh it was not exactly well received maybe people didn't think he put that kind of intention behind his his choices because it's david lynch right he wants to do his own thing his adaptation is not going to be i think what most hardcore sci-fi this movie needs to reflect the experience i had reading the book Uh, that's just not what a David Lynch movie is going to be. Right. I guess time will tell. I always try to go into these things with like an open heart, you know, where it's like, I know that there's going to be this part of me that is like, this wasn't the book and the book has this, you know, nostalgia or some kind of importance to me. And um, I try not to do that. And sometimes that wins and sometimes it doesn't. And I think we'll maybe get into that a little bit when we talk about Mulan, you know, the OG versus new iteration. But uh, I am excited for the new movie and having never seen the David Lynch version, I'm excited to to see that and maybe be able to understand what people are so pissed off about. Yeah, I did appreciate his tweet. That was, at least I didn't give the worms buttholes for mouth or something like that I sent to you and Tegan. (laughs) Well, Tegan's very excited about the fact that she also said when we watched the trailer that she thought they looked like butts. (laughs) She didn't say buttholes, and I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) No, she just said butts, and I'm like, huh? And then she was like, you know, like, (laughs) oh, I guess so. We'll have more to say about Dune um, in the relatively near future. So I don't know. What else did we do this week? Cobra Kai, we watched one episode, one episode, which I was very impressed with. Like I knew it was going to be good. It's, it was originally like a, a, a YouTube show, but you had to pay for a YouTube subscription to watch it. Boo. And I'd heard lots of good things about it, but I was like, well, I'll probably just never see that. But it popped up on Netflix. And, um, I think we only watched the one episode, right? Yes, that's it. And it's it, so good. We keep just choosing like something else to watch instead of it, not because we don't want to watch it, but because we just have so many things that are on our plate right now that we're trying to get through. But um, I thought it was really funny, and it was kind of like a hero villain swap almost, because like you know, it, 
It does kind of make yeah, Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso da- is kind of you're kind of like this guy sucks. <laughs> it's kind of just like a douchey car salesman guy who owns like a bunch of car dealerships and right. Johnny's uh, down on his luck, kind of just scraping by kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he's no, I guess he's not really like no a hero, hero yeah. either, but. Um, <laughs> It, it was fun. It was fun to watch. And it was, there were some parts that were like just super hilarious. And we haven't even really got into the show. Obviously we're just one episode. There's two seasons out now. And you know, the end of the first episode is Johnny setting up his own karate studio. He's bringing Cobra Kai back. And I don't know. I'm really excited to watch it. And cause he's befriended is kind of a generous term, I guess, right. but there's a teen in his apartment building that is looking to him for help. And, He's going to start teaching karate. And it looks right now he's got like a new mission and like a, yeah, it looks great. It, it does look for great. future episodes. I'm very excited to watch more of it. Uh, also on Netflix though, chef's table barbecue, which and is like a completely new series. I am sad about this show because it was only four episodes. That was a little disappointing. It's probably like the thing that we're most excited about to pop up on netflix at any time like anytime a new one comes up we're like okay this is what we're watching now right and everything else just gets put on hold it was fantastic like even the opening credits netflix gives you the option to skip and you're like no thanks why would i skip that vivaldi's winter like in the i don't know (laughs) whatever it's like amazing it's it's such a great show. It's so well done. I, and I can watch the old seasons like over and over again. I don't think anything would ever really tops the very first season of Chef's Table. That's, I don't know, my favorite. And I just love the stories that they chose to, to go on that episode. But I mean, on that series. But it kind of has now inspired this idea that we should take some time off and go on a barbecue road trip across the south South. i don't know why it never occurred to us before we both love barbecue well it sounds expensive that's probably why (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we're talking about planning for the future but we both don't mind sitting and waiting in line for hours and hours we've done it for a little bit of meat very often (laughs) yeah we've we've done that so i can't wait to do it we should just you know rent an airstream and yeah and travel and retire and just go go eat food go get some good barbecue look up the best places and it'll be fun and thanks to chef's chef's table for that idea so you know what i completely skipped over though because i thought we were just going to go right into like the main fair after this but they announced benioff and weiss new project for netflix oh right three body problem right which i'm i'm super excited about it is it is an interesting choice because of how the books are written. I mean, I've only read the two books. Right. I was, I, I was just going to say, you never, you didn't finish the third one, right? Yeah, and I'm but, almost done with the first one. And because, because you've read that much though, you know how, how the, the rest of the trilogy is kind of written. I mean, the plot points are definitely um, kind of zigzagging all over the place. And I think you'll be surprised when you go to the second book, but the way the book is written, it's very philosophical um, which is going to be, I think, kind of difficult to translate to the screen. But there are so many things that I want to see visualized on the screen from from certainly the first book, but more so probably the second book. And I think Benioff and Weiss have really shown how effective they can be at adapting books when they obviously did Game of Thrones. Now, Game of Thrones might have gone off the rails a little bit, but that's when they didn't have any books to work off of, right? Right. So, I don't know. I'm very excited about the 
potential of watching, you know, these things kind of get announced and maybe fall apart frequently. It seems interesting that it's, I don't know. Um, cause it's like an American adaptation of a Chinese interpret a book that was originally written in Chinese and, or, a, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it's from China. Right. <laughs> well, I, I say Chinese because, like, it could be in like Cantonese or Mandarin. Like, right. I don't know anything about the language, but um, so that just gave me pause. I didn't want to sound dumb or, you know, whatever. Uh, I probably oh. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it's going to be interesting though because there's just a whole lot of like Asian culture stuff that's in there too, right? Right. That, and I I would imagine that they're going to stay true to that. I would, I would hope so. I would very much hope I so. Can't, I can't and imagine in this world that they wouldn't like get completely derailed in their yeah project if they like tr- whitewashed the whole thing, right? Oh yeah, no. But I think we've kind of seen how um, the striving for authenticity can kind of get you in some hot water too, right? I don't know. Once we get to Mulan, we can talk about it. But I don't know if you've been following any of the uh, controversies surrounding that movie um i mean i've heard a little bit here and there but i kind of just wait for you to tell me these things well i'm not sure that's a good call but (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think we can kind of move into our main fair right yeah start with the book right yes so we only find them when they're dead like i said earlier uh published by boom studios written by al ewing this is his first creator owned series We haven't really read too much by him, but I mean, except for Loki, Agent of Asgard, which we really liked and thought it was funny and really well written and really liked that storyline. So that was the first kind of hook for me when I was flipping through the previews catalog. And then Simone DeMeo does the art for the book. And he's an artist that I, again, don't really know except for from the pre. Simone DeMeo is a man? Yeah, I was surprised too. Oh, okay. But he does the art on the a lot of the Power Rangers books. Does he do the colors as well, or do they do someone? Does someone else do the color? I would have to look, but I think somebody else does it. Oh, okay. Because I really like the color in this book. Yeah, it's just something that really drew me in. Yeah, I really liked art, color, the storyline. Seems like is going to go in a really interesting direction. I like the the basic premise, right? But um, yeah, those those are the things that kind of made me put this on our poll for the comic book shop. And the guy who runs our our store said that a lot of people had been asking for it, and so maybe it's maybe it's doing well. I don't know, but uh, I thought it was I thought it was really good or a really strong first book. Right. I mean, it it opens with this kid, and you don't really and his mom, you don't really know what they're looking at, but they're on some sort of not like a mission but they have like some sort of task and i don't know you can tell that whatever it is that they're doing is something that's been passed on in their family and it turns out what they're doing is harvesting from dead gods so that's just a weird and interesting thing to pull out of your brain yeah right definitely and it's they're harvesting these celestial bodies for resources because well, there's got to be some cool shit behind those resources, right? <laughs> like, if they're well, yeah, that because I think all the other resources have been exhausted, which is a pretty common refrain, I think, for a lot of stories, including one of the movies oh, we're going to talk about. I didn't tonight. get that at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that maybe I read that in a in an article about the book. Oh okay, but I think 
Yeah, I don't think they specifically state that, but maybe I read an interview where they were talking about it. Maybe I just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. So I mean, the the book I think is going to follow this crew for harvesters on the Vihan to Van. I don't know how to say it. How would you say it? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for the support. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. Basically, just I mean the the kid that you talked about in the beginning is the captain of of the the newer ship. Yeah, it's like forty four years later. I think if I did the math, I I did do the math, but I can't remember. Yeah, I if I can remember the, time, the math, right? I think it's something like forty four years in the future. But it basically follows them on this mission that they've gone out to mine the resources on another dead god that they found which when they come upon that that body it's one of the most kind of stunning panels of the book i think it really is it's very um it seems very anime inspired or i guess final fantasy was another reference i saw in an article i read Mm -hmm. Um, interesting i mean it definitely looked different than the rest of the book not a lot but like just the the god itself. Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, supposed made, to be, right? you're right. It's supposed to be not necessarily otherworldly, but greater than human. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they get there and they kind of have to, uh, like claim their stake, which part of the body they want. And there's all this conversation about that. And you kind of get an idea of the world that they're, um, inhabiting as far as how many different people are trying to harvest from these dead bodies and, who claims which spot and like there are scuffles along the body and like corporations have a big say in in who gets what. And then at the end of the issue, you kind of see, or you have a, a very vague idea of where the series will be going as it moves forward. And it, I think we're definitely going to stick with it for at least a little while. It's very exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next. And um, it seems like these, this crew has a plan um, and, something clever that they've worked out in order to enrich their lives in some way. So, um, it seems cool. It does does seem cool, (laughs) but, uh, so we'll move on. Yeah. Anything else? Mulan? Yes. Okay. I have a lot for Mulan. Okay. So, I mean, we paid the $30. Yes. Disney plus premium. I don't know. I mean, really it only got us Mulan. Well, we weren't going to wait until December to see it. Right. Absolutely not. But uh, the movie was directed by Nikki Caro, and Yifei Liu plays Mulan. Donnie Yen is in the movie Jet Li, who I did not recognize as the emperor uh, until, well, I guess I didn't recognize him at all, and I just found out later that he was in it. And Li Gong as the the witch, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she had an actual character name. Okay, but, overall. But, I mean, the cast was, I thought, really well put together. I agree. Overall, how'd you feel? What was your takeaway? I liked it. I liked it too. Watch. I want to watch it again. I do as well. And I more than liked it. I really, really, really liked this movie. That's good. And I I know that there's a lot of criticism out there. Right. And I've listened to a little bit of it. And some of the, the big critiques, I'm like, that's unfair. Like what? Um, like the element of magic, so to speak. And I, see, yes. And that I, bothers me. <laughs> I, I actually did like that part. I was going to ask you about well, what, how you felt about it. So some of the criticism that I've heard is that it, it kind of takes away from the original story of Mulan being like a woman and that being good enough to be a good warrior. 
Um, but the thing is about chi and what you're taking away by criticizing chi is that chi isn't magic. It's like a life force that it, it resides in everyone. And some people have greater access to chi. And right. so it's and just not because they call her a witch doesn't like, that's just right. Because a label exactly. And, and a label that isn't a real label, like just because she has this talent and she's a woman, then she's branded a witch. Cause if she's a man who has chi or a great strong chi, she's the emperor, right? I'm very much resisting the urge to quote some money Python. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to move right past that. But right. Cause the emperor obviously also has strong chi. He's the emperor. And so I, I don't like it being referred to as a magical element because it's not in this like history and Chinese culture. Chi isn't a magical element. It's something that anybody can access if they have a, a pure enough connection to this life force, right? Yeah. And I, I liked that reimagining of, of the story. And the movie even starts out with with like a, a little, I don't know if it was a narration or if it was somebody talking to a, uh, a smaller kid about the story. And he's basically saying, like, there's a lot of versions of this story and this is the one I'm going to tell you. And I feel like we've seen a lot of that almost breaking the fourth wall kind of, hey, let's all relax about what's going to happen <laughs> because like this is our story and this is how we're going to tell it. Even Tenet when she's, when she's trying to tell him about, you know, the world that they're living in and she's like, don't try to understand it, just feel it. And I can understand how that can be hard for some people. Like I did miss the music and they kind of worked it into the score a little, a little bit, bit, but uh, it's definitely, it would have been very strange. In the context of this film, which was a much right. more serious film than the, Disney cartoon Mulan. Right. So, and then, so here's some of the controversy too, or not controversy, but um, negative takeaway, right? Lion King and Aladdin were essentially like. Note for note. Note for note remakes with some like changes and the changes were not good changes, right? Like they changed things that were good about the movie, but everything else stayed note for note. And that was just dumb, right? People were pissed about that too. And so. (laughs) This is a completely different take on a story and people are pissed about it too. So it's very hard to take something so beloved and then like just try to retell the story. I think in this case, it really did succeed, at least for me, because they made it a different story with ultimately the same message, right? And I really liked the performances. I liked what they did with the story. I liked the action sequences. I thought it was, I thought it was good. My favorite thing was the choice for Mulan to reveal her own identity as opposed to it being accidental. accidental, um, Because that gives her agency. Um, I really liked that. Now, I think that makes it less of a kid's movie because there's less comedy in this movie than there was in the original Mulan. Yeah, so I guess you kind of get into like, who's this movie for at that point? Yes, and so I can see some of the argument there. Like, this is a Disney movie. It's Mulan. Kids, families are super familiar with that property. And then this sort of becomes a movie that's less for kids, but also not entirely for adults, right? It's not, it's definitely doesn't cross that line into a, this is a movie for adults. Um, so there, that can be a little bit problematic uh, in how the story is told. Like, could it have been more effective if they had just like gone all the way one way and gone all the way the other instead of trying to to stay in the middle like that. But, but I liked it. I really liked it. 
I liked it. I thought the actors were incredible, and I thought the choreography for the fights was really great. I think the the witch is good to have in there because they they needed more strong female characters, right? Like, yeah, she was a bad guy, but she was also... (laughs) She ended up dead. Right, but I think people are missing too. Like, they're like, where did she come from? Well, in the cartoon, dude had a hawk that like, right? So she turns into this bird. That's the same character, essentially. Um, Only now another strong female character for a movie. Yeah, I think a lot of people forgot that, that there was like a bird he would like scout out and like bring back like like a twig or something from somewhere, right? (laughs) I can't remember what he brought back to him, but he was like, ah. I really liked uh, the the way they set up the town in that kind of enclosed space. I don't know if that's based on like- I don't know, all the video games I've played were, or like movies that I've seen, like Kubo with two strings, with Tubo and the Kubo and the two strings- (laughs) Such a good movie. And also Mini Ninja. <laughs> Those are what that's what the towns look like, where there's like basically like an open square and then like things are kind of built around it. It's like you're trying to get me to do impressions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I did enjoy the the overall aesthetic of of the movie and I thought it was very beautifully shot, but like somehow it seemed more contained than than epic. Like it seemed like it should have been an epic movie. That's why, like, halfway through, I was like, do you know who directed this? Because, and I don't know how, like, else to say it, but it just seemed contained, like. Right. Um, that's a really good point. And I didn't notice that until you, until you've brought it up just now, but. I mean, they spent so but, much money yeah. on the movie. And, you know, I guess we can kind of get into it now that they filmed in a northwest province of China, the Xinjiang province, where. Uh, and then in the credits, they thanked like the, these propaganda departments and public security bureaus. And that's where they've built all these concentration camps where they're keeping like over a million Uyghur Muslims and doing terrible oh, things. And, right. um, so, so that stirred up a lot of controversy, obviously. Rightly so. Um, and you know, they could have filmed somewhere else in China, but you know, even that probably would have been not a. I think that's a tough place to choose to do a movie right now anyway, but it is that, but also like these studios, you know, you you constantly kind of hear little drops here and there of how these companies kind of kowtow to to China to get their movies in their market because it's a huge part of their business. And, um, I I don't know. So there was that, there was, yeah, Yi Fei Lu who plays Mulan tweeted her support for the Hong Kong police um, like a year ago or so when they're basically doing everything they can to kind of crack down and eliminate democracy before, even though they're supposed to have like a, the two system government deal kind of set up for mm-hmm. quite a while still. I don't know, uh, that, that was also not particularly well received in, in a lot of places outside of China, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's difficult because there's a lot of boycott Mulan hashtag stuff and, Hey, where can I donate $30 instead of paying to see this movie? You know, that kind of thing. Um, oh, all that's so sad. I don't want to like make choices in life and like that on over something like a movie and, and feel like guilt ridden. Right. Like it's hard enough, like trying to buy clothes that isn't made in a sweatshop. Like it's, it's a virtual, virtually impossible. Like, can, can I access some entertainment? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it makes me really sad and, uh, ignorance is not necessarily the answer, but 
sometimes you just wish it was right. I mean, yeah. th- it's, I mean not, it's definitely but, easier mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I don't think I'm thinking of anything said anything to with China. If you want to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk about this movie. So good. Right. Um, I really, really liked it, even yeah. though I have no idea what the fuck happened. So, yeah, the movie came out on Netflix last weekend. It's a movie that was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Being John Malkovich. And I didn't know this before I started reading about it, but it's based on a novel by Ian Reed or mm-hmm. Ian. I'm not sure which. It's, I think it's Ian. Only because I think I heard someone else talk about it and call him Ian. Well, then we'll blame that person. (laughs) (laughs) Or my memory if I was wrong. So so like we talked about last week, or I guess two weeks ago now, it took us a while to get around to recording, but Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, Tony Collette, David Thewlis, really good four main actors. There was also the older janitor guy and some ancillary characters, but they had the biggest parts in the movie, I think. Yeah. Overall, do you like get what happened? I feel like, and you know how I'm not much of a a rewatcher for movies. There are certain movies that I can rewatch. Most of them have to already be on and then I can sit and watch them, but it's difficult for me to decide to turn a movie on to rewatch. I feel like because of the weirdness of this movie, it it might be one of the most rewatchable things because there's so many little weird things where you're like wait did that was that i don't know i thought i saw this yeah so what i mean what i really liked about the movie was first the performances were really outstanding and the delivery of the dialogue the script was was really good even if you don't really know what's happening just the way it is um kind of bandied back and forth between people or if it's internal whatever it all seems very funny Right, in, and the small in some interactions. Kind of almost inexplicable way. Right. right. And then the weirdness is like super far out, but I was almost able to kind of follow the bouncing ball of what was happening in the movie, which is not usually the case for me, right? Which is basically, I think, that the old janitor in the school is reflecting on his life and what might have been. And he imagines this relationship with this girl that he did not actually meet, but they had like a, a kind of a small interaction where they, it's very hard to even talk about, right? Like yeah. <laughs> Jesse Plemons <laughs> and Jesse Buckley kind of go over and over the story of how they met when they're talking to his parents. But that's his kind of like back and forth of what might've happened if he had taken the initiative and actually interacted with this person. And so I think the director, as, as the story goes forward, Uh, He's talked about how he wanted to simultaneously show that this was not like a real relationship and that these two people were actually the same person in in this guy's mind, but also give the Jesse Buckley character some kind of autonomy within that imagination. Right. It's weird because from the beginning, you assume that this movie is from this woman's point of view, who... Kind of has a name, right? right? She is she Lucy? Is she Louisa? Is she Lucinda? Is she Amy? Like, (laughs) we don't, we're not really sure, but it's narrated by her and it follows her even when Jesse Plemons' character 
is not in the scene, right? So it was weird for me, and I think I still didn't even get until after reading and hearing people talk about it that, oh, this was an imagination. Yeah, so was your interpretation of, or I guess what was your interpretation of the movie when it ended? I just had no idea. Okay. I just, I found it to be an enjoyable experience and wanting to kind of dissect it and and find out. I think there were too many missing pieces for me, maybe maybe in my watching experience, because I feel like usually I'm pretty good about getting there, right? And in this case, I was wasn't i didn't um and still found it enjoyable which is an interesting case i think just maybe because of the performances and like the weirdness of it and just um kind of the struggle which kept me kind of tense and i'm watching it that i enjoyed it without really understanding what the story what the overall purpose of the story was you yeah, know I, am i making weird, sense like so that that must be like one of the most impossible skills to kind of master where like you've made it to the end of the movie you don't really have any idea what you just watched but you're like that was pretty good <laughs> like because that can go because well, that can go wrong pretty quick I think. um i feel like I feel like it's hard for me to to assess where I was at the end because now I've like read some things about it and listened to some things about it. But I think ultimately it was for me just a movie about memory, which is kind of fallible, not kind of, but extremely, extremely fallible. Um, and I didn't even piece together that this couple was actually a single human, but it, it just felt like a visit into the fallible memory of someone little things like what she's wearing from moment to moment and weird passage of time. Um, even just like hairstyle changing from one shot to the next shot, a pearl necklace versus that being completely gone and the age of the parents changing sort of weirdly and unexpectedly and not mutually super weird. One thing I really have to point out though, that no one has mentioned is the ham there's like this creepy story about the pigs and the maggots and then Mm. like everything on the dinner table came from the farm and they're eating ham and while i don't know if it's safe to eat a pig that's been infested with maggots it's not necessarily something that i would want to do and and that had to be a choice by the director right because oh i'm sure everything seems pretty intentional (laughs) right (laughs) let's tell a story about pigs and then serve pig on the table like there's so many other choices for for the main dish there you would think most people would pick chicken but (laughs) you know that's easy i am looking forward to listening to a a podcast i saw post today which is the big picture that talks about this movie with the director charlie kaufman yeah i listened to the big picture talk about this movie with not the director and it, it just had some interesting takes. I don't I don't know. I I would like to see it again, but I'm just going to have to walk into the room and have it already be on and then I can watch it cuz the chances Noted. of me just I'll go ahead and throw just, it on sometime this weekend. <laughs> it's just a difficult thing for me to turn on something that I've already seen. I feel like there's so much else, so much more out there that I need to uh, consume whatever. But do you have anything else about I'm thinking of any things. Oh, before we move on. (laughs) 
So we didn't even talk about the title of the movie. I'm thinking of ending things, which kind of sounds like it's a movie that's going to be more about ending life, like su- a, a movie about suicide and considering suicide as opposed to yeah, ending a relationship. Which it definitely does, but I, I don't think I even had like time to register it like that because I think I went right from hearing about the movie to looking up the trailer to watching it. And in the trailer, she's kind of reframing that for you. Um, I think, yes, in the trailer. But then when you watch the movie, oh, for sure. it still feels like maybe there's that kind of element of, I'm thinking of ending things, meaning like the big end. I don't know. I thought there were just so many layers and cool things. Speaking of layers, Segway. Tenet. We saw it. Twice. I did almost fall asleep the second time, only because I think I was just so exhausted, not because the movie wasn't super interesting. It was really good. Yeah. So obviously, new Christopher Nolan movie, John David Washington, Robert Pattinson. Really enjoyed Robert Pattinson. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm a big fan of Rob Pattinson. I have been for a while. How long? Since. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, What year did uh, Goblet of Fire come out? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth DeBecky, right? Elizabeth? Yes. And and Kenneth Branagh. And you want to talk about a movie with epic scope, right? I don't know the exact budgets, but I think Mulan and Tenet probably were hovering around the same kind of $200 million movie. Really? I mean, Mulan was $200 million. I don't know how much Tenet was, but like $200 million is a lot for a movie. Yeah. And oh, so that's a lot for anything. So I guess we haven't really discussed how much we're going to talk about exactly what happens in the movie. I um, mean, I don't know how anyone can talk about exactly what happens in this movie. <laughs> okay. Fair point. <laughs> but I think it'll probably get a little, a little bit into spoiler territory, right? Yes. I, I don't think you can discuss this movie without at least okay, a good. little so bit at least of spoileriness, yeah. right? Ultimately, the protagonist has to save the universe. All of existence, right? Low stakes. <laughs> yeah, but so, you don't know, don't know that at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it's very um, methodical, I suppose, in, in how it kind of develops the story and exactly what's happening. And, you know, it starts with, there are these objects with inverted entropy and eventually I don't even know what that means. You just kind of have to accept it, right? Right. It's like these things are traveling backwards in time or at least our perception of time. Yeah. And I love time space stuff, but this stuff was just a little wild where I was like, I can't, I can't get it. Like, cause wouldn't somebody have had to put something there for, but then if you, I don't know. Yeah. And then it expands to actual people traveling backwards through time. But just it's their experience of the timeline in reverse, basically. right? But, but it also affects it is physics like of the, their world. A closed loop, though, <laughs> because so whatever has happened happens, or no, whatever well, happens happened. I feel like that's one of the main points of the movie that is never really answered, probably because there's no answer because we don't know. But they they bring that up and they talk about, well, why can't we just change it? And then they talk about changing it, but do they actually change it? And there's a lot of talk about about the grandfather paradox. And I feel like all that kind of is left really up to, I don't even think your interpretation. I, I, I think where it ends is like, this is a closed loop. 
where people make decisions and that's just how it is. But that's not how, that's not really what right, you see. But on there's the also like multiple layers of decisions. It's Cause cr- like how many times does Rob Pattinson go back and fix things and is the actual hero of the whole movie. Right. Right. It's very, I think effectively pulled off for the contained storyline of the movie. But once you start thinking about it too much, it kind of unravels. Right? I think anything time travel. Yeah. It, and it, so you're it just supposed to enjoy what's there on the screen. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, it's I, rough. I know it's that weird. that's not how people watch movies for, well, I know that's not how some people watch movies and I know that, um, you know, everybody's going to have their own opinion, but I really enjoyed the movie. Whether I enjoyed it. Makes it. Entire sense or not. I enjoyed it. I think most people are going to enjoy it. It's got really cool. Like how, I mean, how do they do those like effects where it's like they're moving backwards and forwards at the same time in the same scene? The action sequences were amazing. They were. Even if you couldn't exactly understand what was happening, you got the basic idea. Well, and then they tell you later what's happening because they show it to you in reverse or not reverse, depending on which side you're on. Right. It's it's just like a really cool thing for me to think about the person dreaming up how to make these sequences. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Um, I could have done without the chick, which <laughs> wow. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I know that that seems horrible, but I just feel like she, um, I feel like she was there because they needed to put more women in the movie. Maybe. I don't know that she really contributed much. I feel like she was a great, like her acting was fine, but as far as how she contributed to the story, it just, I feel like if you pulled her out and found another way to connect these characters, it would have been fine. But then a movie lacking all women almost right. co- almost I, completely, I was, right? I think it was kind of lauded that um, Christopher Nolan made a movie where the wife didn't die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, she just didn't add a whole lot for me to the story. I guess so. She was kind of the in for the protagonist to the big bad who is played by Kenneth Branagh. Um, I, I guess I'm not going to say his name the same way twice because I don't know if it's Branagh or Branagh or. Nope. Uh, nobody knows. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he knows. I just feel like adding her into the movie added like a whole mess of layers that weren't really integral to the whole story. It was just kind of like, ah. and then she was like a woman who needed saving, which in my mind is problematic anyway at some point everybody needs saving right but i mean she also kind of played a significant role in um the end of the movie whether that was um i guess i mean you could have done that you could have done that anyway but i don't know i like the actress i I like the actress i just feel like we both just said actress but whatever Uh, I like the actor. Where else where else have we seen her? In, in Widows and I feel like one more thing. I don't remember. I guess I'm curious. I was trying to think about other Christopher Nolan movies, but like the investment that you have in the characters of this movie, I think is based solely on the charisma of the characters. Like there's no actual character building, right? For these, yeah, not these people really. in, in the movie. They're just kind of archetypes, but they're very, very charismatic actors. And I mean, John David Washington was awesome. Uh, We've already kind of hit on the Robert Pattinson piece where he's made so many independent movies that we don't typically watch. Um, I tried to watch one a few months ago that was supposed to be really good that I just couldn't make it through. What movie? It was High Life. 
which I just did not enjoy. I mean, we talked about recently the lighthouse, which we both, I think really liked on a a strange level and uh, obviously Batman. So (laughs) a plus in my book, but I really enjoyed both of their performances. Kenneth Branagh all already like a Hollywood superstar. Yeah. Like he's just fantastic. And and she's great. She's great. But as far as charisma, uh, she's, I guess the most lacking. The best parts of the story and the movie to me were the interactions with the protagonist and what's his name? Neil. It's like the most basic (laughs) name ever. Their relationship was really cool. I mean, is that a weird thing for me to be like, I could have done without this lady in the movie. I think it's just a, a valid criticism of how you felt watching the movie. Like they could have deliberately maybe put more time into developing. Well, I was going to say developing her as a character, but like we just said, I don't think they really did that with any of these people. Or been more creative about like her role in the story. I mean, I know that ultimately she gets the big payoff, right? But that wasn't enough. It just, it didn't seem really believable to me. The weight of her importance in the life of the big bad. I don't know. I'm not trying to nitpick about things and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm focusing now on this one thing. Why don't we move away from the woman? (laughs) Yeah. Cause there's like, I don't, I didn't want to spend that much time on this. It, it it meant to be like just a thing in passing, like, Oh, Hey, I think one of the things that we both, well, by both, I mean the entire world agree upon is that the sound design in, in this movie and, I think overall, like a lot of issues in other Christopher Nolan movies kind of um, come back to. Oh, yeah. I don't know what anybody said in the entire fucking thing. Yeah, it's really difficult. I think the second watch was really beneficial for us. Maybe not some of us who slept through it, but. I didn't sleep through it. I said almost (laughs) fell asleep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was definitely very difficult to hear. I cannot wait to watch it with subtitles. I just don't understand the thought process that goes behind making a movie of this scope and kind of leaving that in kind of an unintelligible realm. Right. You mean very strange verbally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it's not like, I think we also, I mean, even if you could hear it, we probably wouldn't exactly understand it, but right. But I do think that the dialogue in this, once you could actually you know, get some of it. It's not like it was lacking in what they're saying to each other and, and the communication between these characters is, but yeah, that was a little off putting, especially because they have to wear these oxygen masks while they're talking to each other. And I'm like, you couldn't have at least just like tweaked it a little. So it wasn't so difficult. You could definitely clean that up. Yeah. Like for sure. I really like the score. It's a, it's funny because, uh, almost kind of a typical Christopher Nolan score, but most of his other movies are Hans Zimmer. And this one was Ludwig Goranson, who also has done a ton of movies, but it's very much, I think in the same vein as like that propulsive, like pounding kind of music that you're used to from all his movies. I didn't really feel it in the first, I mean, in the second watch, but in the first watch, it did almost feel like the music was running backwards in time for some of the, the parts of it. Right. Really? I didn't notice that. It was like that, like, that, like, um, the, like, (laughs) sort of like, um, I'm sure that was just the energy of, no, that wasn't it at all. No, no, no. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'm sure it's deliberate. I wasn't. Oh, yeah. um, But it it seemed like it was saying anything about your impression of like pulsating. Yeah. But pulsating in reverse. So it really did give, give you that feel, which was, which was really cool. And I definitely noticed it. And 
we've discussed before how often I think that that's my biggest weakness in watching films is like the score doesn't resonate with me the same way as it does um, for other people. And, you know, you'll go and like, just listen to a score for a movie and, and recognize things. And, and for me, um, that's, that's sort of a blank spot as far as recognizability for me and, and things and how, um, I think a lot of people experience a movie in that way where it's just kind of like a background thing and they don't really, uh, register it and how important it is to the movie. Right. I think it gets me the most when it's like a movie that there's like where it really adds to the tension. It was really cool for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I really appreciated, even though it was difficult to understand all the interconnected layers of the movie, it was very cool how they all built on each other. Um, some of the big kind of set piece scenes were the windmills in the ocean, the airport, the highway heist, and the final battle. It was just, it was all awesome. Like it's just really so much fun to watch. And I, I just really enjoyed the movie and I guess, um, would definitely recommend watching it five or six times. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I also really liked Rob Pattinson's wardrobe. Just going to toss it in. It was good. I don't know who chose that, but I liked it. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess that's probably it. We need to wrap this up because game seven of the Celtics Raptors series is about to start. 12 minutes. And uh, we also need to eat dinner. Yeah, that's standard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dinner is standard in this house. No, I meant the lateness. I guess nobody, if, well, I, whatever. I mean, (laughs) you could piece the puzzles together and know what time the... The Celtics seven game seven started and what time we typically eat dinner and whatever, but nobody does that. Did you have anything else? No. I hope we'll be back next week, but until then, uh, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. Dude, I'm such a dork.